0: This king is taking his rightful throne. This name is changing the way we relate. This Jesus refuses to lie in the grave. Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. verses 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet, weeping Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owned, owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgive him. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who, even forgive sins. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in
1: peace. Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone downstairs in the room. Good morning, everyone upstairs in the balcony, and I see you, and good morning to you online. I know I can see you. Um, Happy Father's Day, if that's something that you're celebrating today, whether it's in remembrance of a dad, maybe it's uh, in a moment of just thinking, oh yeah, I do need to phone my dad, or maybe you are a dad, and you know, Happy Father's Day. I get to wear my Father's Day socks, which no one online will be able to see, those in the room can't really see them, but my Father's Day socks have uh, photos of my children and my dogs on them um, (laughs) that my children got me for me, and they are great Father's Day socks. In a moment, we're going to get to look at this passage uh, Susie has read to us, which uh, kicks off our series, a new series today that will lead up to the summer. Uh, We're looking at Meals with Jesus. But before we get there, I want us to think and answer a question. A question maybe you've been asked before. I know it's a question that I've been asked a number of times. It's a question that is this. If you could invite three people from now or throughout history for dinner... Who would you invite? If you could invite three people, either who are alive now or throughout the whole of history, who would you invite? You considering? No, I thought I wasn't going to have to answer it. Oh, yes, you are. Why don't we just turn now to someone next to us and just answer that question? Who are the three people we would invite? Um, If you're online, maybe you want to stick in the chat who you would want to invite, or maybe you're watching with someone else in the room. Share with them now. 30 more seconds. Okay. Can I grab your attention back? <laughs> Hopefully everyone was able to share someone. Uh, if you couldn't think of anyone, you can always invite me. I'm quite good around for a meal. Um, for me then, you don't have to share yours, I'll do my three. I had a bit longer to think about it, didn't I? And I always think with this one, it's like, you have to, if, you, if you're not careful, you overthink it. You know, all right, what's this gonna say about me? Like the three people I talk about. So for the three, these are literally them. It would be Oprah Winfrey. I think, man, she is amazing at asking questions. Why wouldn't you want her around the table? Second one, Brother Lawrence from the medieval time, who was a monk, uh, who wrote probably the most, the book that probably shaped my life more than any other, uh, called Practicing the Presence of God. Uh, I think he's quite a quiet guy, therefore Oprah Winfrey could draw him out on the questions. (laughs) Uh, and then the last one would be um, Desmond Tutu, uh, who I just think is remarkable, and just think it'd just be amazing just to listen, and to, on this day, that's celebrating fathers, to hear him father, uh, and how he'd sought to do that for a nation and the world. Uh, so yeah, they're my three, they're quite impressive, aren't they? Obviously thought about that a little bit. I genuinely didn't. It was literally two minutes of like, oh yeah, I think, I think those Sorry, that they'll do this day. Uh, so yeah, those are my three. Well... Through this series, Beals with Jesus, what we wanted to do is kind of extend the wonder of that question and say, what would it be like to be present at meals with Jesus? Now, maybe some of us were already there. We're like, oh yeah, one of the three that I didn't write, right, Jesus. The other, Paul and Peter. I don't know, maybe that was it. Like, if you were there, you know, someone has pushed them off their chair and say, you were just trying to give the right answer. No, no, in this, what we're going to do is discover that there's these Accounts of Jesus at different meals. And as we look at them, uh, well, there's going to be an invitation through this series that there's going to be an invitation to see and savor Jesus and the wonder of who he is. We're going to discover how present he is in those ma- moments of meals and that how in his presence he is there listening. They're speaking and they're acting. We're also going to discover that there's something to be found as Jesus encounters the people in these stories. And that as we discover Jesus encountering them, we're then going to discover that Jesus wants to encounter us through these stories. Therefore, it's not like an information gathering exercise. It's not like a icebreaker of, oh, what would it like to be like in presence of Jesus at a meal? No, it's going to be something that's going to cause us to see him more clearly and to be shaped more by him. Therefore, with that in mind, I want us to look at this first story that uh, Susie's already read out to us. a story found in Luke chapter 7. A story that starts off with it being an eventful meal. And as we're going to see this eventful meal, what I want us to come on to discover is that actually this meal that starts with this most unusual of events actually reveals a meal of extravagance. I'm hoping that will lead us to a point where we'll get to share communion together and realize that this is a meal of extravagance, that you and I are called to share it. But start off within this eventful meal. I I don't know if you've ever had a moment where a meal you've had with some people, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's with someone else, maybe it was out, is suddenly interrupted. I always think back to a moment where we had some friends around for dinner, and towards the end of the meal, there was like a, a knock at the door, the front door, and I went to answer it, and there was a guy at the door who was very drunk. There's no other way of dressing up, he was very drunk. And as he met me, as he slurred his words through, he said, do you know where I live? (laughs) And I thought, I've never met you before. I don't know where you live. And he said, no, no, don't you know where I live? And I said, no, I don't know where you live. Do you know where you live? And he said, no, I don't know where I live. At that point, I thought, right, you can't just close the door and say, well, go figure. It was like a moment of like, okay, we've got to do something here. And so I said, do you think if I take you, you could figure out where you live. Do you live near here? And he said, yes. Now, to kind of finish a long story quite quickly is, 25 minutes later, we find his home. Uh, In actual fact, he lived five minutes walk from my house, but it just took a while kind of figuring out where he didn't live to find out where he did live. And in that moment, as I got back After 25 minutes, everyone thinking, had I been abducted or stabbed or killed? Um, The meal continued, but it continued with this story then of like this interruption. Like Luke tells a story though here of Jesus having a meal that has an interruption that is way bigger than some guy knocking on your door and me just finding some time to try and find his house. See, we discover that Jesus has been invited by one of the Pharisees, a Pharisee called Simon. Now, the Pharisees were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. And Simon has invited Jesus for a meal, along with a number of friends, as they just want to check out who Jesus is. They're pretty skeptical. And as they're inviting him in, as they're sat reclining at the table, an unnamed woman enters the room. Now, at this point, you think, well, how did she get in? Well, in the Middle East, in this moment, it was common custom that when you were invited around as a guest, the front door was left open so that anyone else who wasn't a guest could just kind of make their way in, have a look at what was going on in the meal, maybe ask for some money, maybe um, listen in to the conversations that were going on. So it wasn't unheard of of someone to come in and be part of the meal that hadn't been invited. However, this unnamed woman who comes in definitely isn't welcome. You see it in the story by how the whole Simon kind of thinks and considers her. You see how she's introduced by Luke as he kind of paints his vivid picture of all that's going on as she's not named, but rather described by how she was known. And Simon, because of her reputation, definitely doesn't want her at this meal. She's not welcome. He wants her to go. And yet this unnamed woman doesn't seem to take into consideration any of the responses, the looks. Have you ever been in one of those places where someone gives you the look? You know, where you think, hey, I'm here, and everyone just goes, mm. Like, she doesn't get any of those cues. She just comes in with everyone reclining at the table, and then kneels before Jesus' feet. And as she kneels before Jesus' feet, she then begins to wash them with her tears. And then having washed his feet with her tears, she then begins to dry them with her hair. Now, at this point, you've got to understand, in this culture in this day, that a lady would be expected to wear her hair up to wear your hair down was an act of shame. Therefore, to both have your hair down and drying someone's feet with your hair was just unheard of. And yet, having washed his feet with her tears, having dried them with her hair, he then, she then pours perfume over his feet to anoint them. Like, imagine for a moment you're in the room like, you're just observing. Like, what are you thinking? And what do you think about that woman, of what she's just done? Like, I don't know about you, but I've never been for a meal at someone's house where suddenly, not an unknown person, but a known person just comes and, like, suddenly starts to weep over my feet and wash them and then dry them with their hair and then anoint them with perfume. Like, that, that I've just never seen that. There's something unbelievably unsettling and extravagant about this act. And we're going to see that. We're not going to just skirt through and think, oh yeah, unnamed woman comes in, does that to Jesus' feet. Very normal. Seen that every day. No, no. We're meant to see it and think, this is unbelievable. And for Simon, he sees this. And he's already offended that she's in the room, but... The act itself. Like, even that isn't the thing that he's questioning. It's rather that Jesus allows this lady to do that. He's like, doesn't he know who she is? And Jesus, like, in that moment, knows what Simon's thinking. And so what Jesus does is he doesn't confront Simon but rather tells him a story, a story over dinner. I don't know if you are someone who likes telling stories over dinner. I love telling stories over dinner. As Lucy would say, I kind of always like surface chat, um, occasionally deep, but generally will keep drawing it back so I can just share a story about something that's unconnected. I like stories that share vulnerability, but stories that make people laugh. Jesus, on the other hand, tells a story that cuts the tension to make everyone think in the room. And he tells this story about two individuals who owe someone else large sums of money. Now, one of them owes a greater sum of money to this other individual. But both owe money. And then he says, what if those two individuals who owed the third person lots of money... We're then told by that third person, your debts are canceled. You don't owe me a thing. Like, how are they going to respond? And he turns to Simon and he says, hey, like, how is the one, or who's going to be the one who's most grateful, most thankful for what's gone on here? And Simon, like, begrudgingly, like, here's a story. It's like, well, I guess the one who was canceled the greater debt, or whose debt was the bigger amount that was canceled. That that one, they're going to be more grateful. It's like at that point, Jesus doesn't take any of the social cues. It isn't that Simon's like the awkwardly answering the question. If you read the passage, it's kind of coming out there in his response. It's not someone who's like, I get it. <laughs> this is what it is. He's like, oh, I guess I've got to say, yes." Yeah, it's the one who's had the bigger debt canceled. They're going to be more grateful Jesus doesn't hear that response. Rather, he says, hey, can you see the sign? Like, can you see what this story's speaking about? And this story's speaking about her. Like, if you understood who she was, then you'd understand why she has to have this response. Because she's coming in with this extravagant act because of what has gone on within her life. You see, we don't know when this happened, but at some point in her life, she came into contact with Jesus, and as such, it redefined who she was. Because rather being known as someone with a reputation, she's known as someone now in her inner being as one who's been forgiven, accepted, loved, and knows peace. And Jesus, like, confirms that. He just speaks it over her. He says, oh, this is what's going on here. He's one who's been forgiven, one who's accepted, loved, who now goes in peace. He says, like, this is why this has happened. Now, let's just be careful here, because there's a danger in this story that we could hear, all right, is Jesus therefore saying there are some people worse than other people? Like, there are some people that are, like, done some stuff, but it's not as bad as those people. You know, I've done this stuff, but I'm not as bad as those people. Those people who end up more grateful because of the amount of stuff that they have dealt with. No, no, this isn't gradients. It's rather about the response. Jesus is saying, when you know the magnitude of what you gain in the life from me, it will only ever cause an extravagant response. Because it's all about an extravagant act. Which brings us back to the lady, the unnamed woman. See, we discover that she is motivated by the fact that she's been transformed. When she walks in this room, she doesn't come in thinking that everyone sees her as to who she was. She now knows who she is. One who comes in the room forgiven accepted, loved, who knows peace. As I said, as Jesus is one who then confirms that over her. It isn't the act of her weeping over Jesus' feet, drying his feet with her hair, pouring the perfume on, suddenly meant, oh, now she can be forgiven. It wasn't that. It was that she'd already known it in an encounter she'd had with Jesus already that isn't recorded here. Now we can sketch and make things try and work and think, well, maybe it was that woman. Or maybe it was that woman. I think there's a reason why Luke doesn't name who it is, which I'll come on to in a moment, but that's not the point. The point that Jesus wants us to get hold of is that she's been so transformed, causing her to know this is who I am now, not who I was, I'm one who's forgiven, accepted, loved, who knows peace. And the one who's made this possible is Jesus. And therefore, when I come face to face with him, I can't but fall at, his knee, fall at his feet, kneel down, weep over his feet, dry them with my hair, and pour perfume over him. Out of the response I have in the wonder of what he's done for me. And that reality of what Jesus did for her is the reality that Jesus wants us to know he does for you and for me. Because this extravagant act always points to the most extravagant act. An act that Jesus spoke about to his friends in John 15, where he describes it in verses 13 to 14, which says this, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. See, Jesus reveals the most extravagant act in order that you and I can know the life that this unnamed woman knew through his life and his death and his resurrection. That Jesus' willingness to offer all in order that we could gain all, his willingness to offer all of who he is in order that we could gain all of who he is so we could know an identity that says now over us regardless of what we've done, we now know that we're forgiven, we're accepted, we're loved. We're those who now know peace, now know wholeness, an invitation to continuously know more of it. It causes us to know the wonder of through that extravagant act of both the identity it causes us to live from, but the wonder of the one who's made it possible. See, this extravagant act is to speak to you and I, to say, do we see the extravagance that ultimately Jesus offered? Like, have we ever received it? Like, these are closed questions now. This is uncomfortable, isn't it? We don't like closed questions. You want ask open questions. No, let's ask a closed one. Like, have we ever received the life that Jesus is able to offer through his life, death, and resurrection, a life that promises you and I forgiveness, acceptance, love, and peace? Like, have you received that? If the answer is no, then today it's open to you, and all you have to do is say, Jesus, I receive you. But maybe we have received Jesus. Maybe we have received the life that he's offered us, do we still see how outrageously extravagant it is? Or have we grown accustomed to it? Oh yeah, Jesus died, but he rose again. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I I get to know more peace. Do you know the extravagance of that life? Does it penetrate the depths of our hearts? I know as I've kept looking at this story, it feels like it's been infecting more and more of me. Because I realized, Jesus, without you, I'm nothing. Destitute, broken, empty. With you, I have everything. Which draws us then to the point of then there has to be a response to this extravagance. See, the response to the Pharisees is that they were embarrassed and outraged. Embarrassed by. This woman's actions towards Jesus, outraged by Jesus' response to her. Who is he to declare forgiveness? Who is he to allow her to touch him? And you see, I can look and think, well, man, the Pharisees. But the problem is, I think I'm going to look and think, oh, the Pharisees in me. Because I wonder if sometimes I'm going to examine myself in that meal of how sometimes I can sit where the Pharisees sit, where I can look at others and think, man, why are they being so over the top? I don't want to use the word extravagance. Why are they being so over the top about their love for Jesus? Calm down. We're British, Like, that response, that's just outrageous. Why would they do that? Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that moment of thinking, Jesus, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I I know I've received your extravagance, but surely it doesn't extend to them. Fill in them for you. I know who the them are for me. You see, I think when we see this story, we can rush and think, actually, I want to be like the woman. No, no, I think I'm like the Pharisee. And what it drives me to is the extravagance of Jesus again. To say, Jesus, would you come and meet me? Would I know your forgiveness? Would I know your acceptance, your love, and your wholeness? Why? Because I want to get on board with celebrating others' expressions of extravagance to you. In extending your extravagance to those that I think it would never extend to. Why? Because it extended to me. But also I think women respond like the unnamed woman. Here's why I think she's unnamed. This is as I've meditated, contemplated these verses. I wonder if why this woman is unnamed is partly because it then says she was defined by how everyone saw her. But I wonder also if it's because it then stops us jumping to who it might be. I wonder if there's something in Luke, who's this masterful storyteller, who leaves this lady unnamed in order that you and I can see that we are the unnamed woman. That her story is our story. Like, how amazing is that? That Jesus takes this woman and says, hey, Adrian, you all know what it's like to live extravagantly? Well, sit, kneel in her shoes sandals like, that's beautiful isn't it That i get to think of what it was like for her because my life has been transformed as her life has been transformed that i then like her get to do acts of extravagant worship to jesus that gets called out of me that i get to do acts of extravagant worship about jesus I get to be one not only who comes and celebrates in who Jesus is, that comes and speaks and shares with others about the extravagant wonder of who Jesus is. Out of the overflow of the extravagance I've received, I then am extravagant, like this unnamed woman, which brings us then to a meal of extravagance. The most simple of meals of bread and juice that Jesus then takes and says, within this simplicity, it speaks of extravagance. That as we come and we take of the bread and the juice, we come and we receive afresh of the wonder of who Jesus is, of his body broken, of his blood shed, in order that in him offering all, we get to receive all. Receive all afresh today. Receive of that forgiveness. Forgiveness acceptance, love, peace, and wholeness. That's what this meal's about. And the table is open to every single one of us. There's no kind of, you're not allowed. It's like literally anyone and everyone who wants to receive Jesus, come. Eat what you cannot buy. Drink what you cannot buy because Jesus offers for free, extravagantly, scandalously. The question is, will you? Will you receive him? Will you come and take of the bread and the juice in order to receive him afresh today? Maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's for however many times that you've lost count, but in this moment you come again and realize the extravagance of who he is and say, I receive you. Because I promise you, from that place the overflow of the heart is then extravagance. We don't whip ourselves up in some frenzy. No, we allow the wonder of who he is to fill our hearts in order that all we can but do is sing praise to him. All we can but do is share the wonder of him. Why? Because he is the God of extravagance. Therefore, I want to ask us, invite us now where we are, just to take a moment and just to come in the silence and say, Jesus, I consider who you are and the life you offer. And I want to say, I'll receive you afresh. Or maybe it's I receive you for the first time. I think as we said at the beginning, what we wanted to do is, it felt right that having got to this point of saying actually there's an extravagance that we've received, it then is that we then get to be like this unnamed woman and then to offer our extravagance, our extravagance towards God. And it felt fitting then from that place to give voice to that love of Jesus through song. And so the band are now gonna lead us and we're just gonna have some more time just come and say, God, out of your extravagance, I now want to be extravagant in my worship of you. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I'd encourage you, don't worry about others. Just think of Jesus. And think of what you want to share and show him. Can I pray for us? And then we're going to and up the band. will stand and we'll just worship the wonder of who he is. Jesus, I thank you so much for how we can encounter you uh, through your word. I thank you for how we can encounter you through the meals. I thank you for the wonder of this encounter with this unnamed woman. I thank you how it speaks of the extravagance of who you are that then causes us out of that extravagance we've received to then overflow with extravagance to you. And I just pray now, would we come And I say, personally, I want to come and just say, I hold nothing back. All that I am is for you. And I pray that for each of us, that we'd increasingly be able to keep praying more and more of you, Jesus. I become less, you become more. Amen.